I'll be talking about more than just the Benjamins. Welcome to Fintech Beat, where finance, technology, and policy come together. I'm your host, Chris Brummer, and the future of finance is now. Despite all the talk about innovation in the U.S. economy, startup rates in America are near historic lows. The Associated Press has reported that despite the longest expansion on record, economic growth has failed to restore entrepreneurship to its pre-recession level. In fact, applications to startup businesses are down 2.6% so far this year compared to the same period last year. Now, one company trying to stem the tide is Cabbage, an Atlanta-based online lender that specializes in loans for new businesses. Now, Cabbage is a pretty interesting company and provides funding directly to borrowers through an automated lending platform. And in doing so, it operates at the cutting edge of finance and technology. So I wanted to learn a little bit more about its model and how companies like Cabbage navigate the risks and rewards of automation in a world increasingly concerned with bias, consumer data privacy, and the cost of capital. So I'm delighted to have Sam Talsik here to speak with me today. Now, Sam is the head of policy for Cabbage and a regular speaker at major events around the world on financial inclusion and tech. Sam, welcome to the program. Thank you so much, Chris. It's really fantastic to be on the FinTech Beat here with you. And, you know, we really love beats at Cabbage and the whole farm uh, motif there. So hopefully, Excellent. We, hopefully Excellent. we can talk about some good organic small business growth today. Sam, you have a really interesting history. I mean, how exactly did you get involved in online lending in the first place? Aren't you like a DC guy? <laughs> well, I actually live in Atlanta, Chris. Dis, uh, despite what people think, I, I have a driver's license that says I live in Atlanta. And um, I haven't always lived in Atlanta. I grew up in the international development world and had a really unique opportunity to experience uh, both commercial and consumer microcredit in Latin America and South America, across Africa, and in Asia with, with a bunch of different organizations. Um, including CDFIs, which are community development financial institutions uh, in the United States, with uh, non-bank balance sheet micro-lenders in uh, South America, and with larger uh, uh, international development organizations like the World Bank and and the United Nations programs uh, in Indonesia. And I was super inspired by um, how little tiny interventions with access to credit can really help um, entrepreneurs, micro-businesses access the inventory that they need to purchase, whether it's simply buying Coca-Cola bottles to resell or purchasing farm animals um, to, you know, to create dairy products and how much economic lift that created in the community and for the individual. It's, it's absolutely inspiring. And, and I'm so honored to continue doing this work at Cabbage when we're doing at you know, at scale for over 200,000 businesses in Main Street America. Maybe walk us through what online lending means, because there are lots of different kinds of models as to how online lending is operationalized. So maybe you can provide us with a little bit of an overview and then where Cabbage in particular fits in. Absolutely. So Cabbage is exclusively concerned 
with the health of small businesses here in the United States. Uh, we started with online small business credit products. We work with a sponsor bank to uh, bring these products to market. But lately, we've also been pushing into other products such as payments um, in the pursuit of really helping small businesses better manage their cash flow and whatever that means. And it's important to contextualize what cash flow actually means to a small business when on average, a small business will take, uh, it'll take 30 days on a, at a good with a good banking relationship for a small business to access simple working capital. We define working capital below $250,000 from a normal bank, uh, the, the small businesses community bank, if you will. Well, the issue is uh, small businesses on average have less than 27 days of working capital on hand. So there's a clear gap in that. What Cabbage has done is stepped into the market, leveraging the underlying existing small business data the cash flow transaction data that a small business is creating each and every day. And within 10 minutes, using that information to holistically underwrite this small business for a line of credit between $2,000 and $250,000, where they can draw from that line of credit a term loan that is 6, 12, or 18 months of their choosing. You've been able to identify a, a new model for extending loans to small businesses. They're obviously going to be a little bit cash-strapped. Um, and uh, by providing a term loan, there's more certainty for the borrower as to, obviously, when the loan is going to be due. But I, I, I su would suppose, because these are shorter-term duration loans, there's a little bit more certainty on Cabbage's side um, as, as to repayment and credit risk? Absolutely. So, again, putting ourselves in the shoes of the small business... Uh, Cabbage is assisting small businesses by reinvesting in themselves. So the majority of our customers um, are thinking, okay, I can either um, go to a bank and wait 30 or more days to access a line of credit. And by the time that I get an answer from the bank, which I'm unsure about, this opportunity to invest in myself might have might have left. It's in many cases a fleeting opportunity, whether that's a marketing event, um, an opportunity to serve a specific customer that has a contract, for example, or make a big enough you know, cake for, for a really big wedding party. So they come to Cabbage to uh, get an answer on that line of credit, a line assignment, an amount, and a price in less than 10 minutes. And they can accept to, to uh, use that credit product or continue shopping. But at the end of the day, all of these small businesses are investing in themselves to have some sort of return on investment on that credit product to propel them to the next level. Uh, what we've done, though, is gone directly to their source of data. That means bank account information, uh, credit card receivable information, even shipping records. All of that in the aggregate is very telling as to whether or not a small business is stable or growing and directly re relates back to a balance sheet, cash flow statement, or income statement that you would otherwise have to construct in a manual underwriting world. So what you've really got here then is alt data or alternative data that distinguishes itself from more traditional forms of data historically relied on for extending loans. And then you've been able to automate this uh, lending through your platform. 
when you look at that 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 data, uh, how do you access it? Are you ac- accessing that information directly from the borrower, or is the borrower providing some kind of permission whereby you can access it through third-party sources? It's actually both. The way that the product structure works in what we call the application wizard, uh, and and what we do in ten minutes is a customer creates an account with Cabbage, and what they're doing is they're creating an account with the Cabbage Celtic program. Celtic is our sponsor bank that actually issues the loan and, and Cabbage works when, in the United States, what we call the Bank Service Company Act. Um, the customer creates a, the account and they give us their name and their business information. Um, and we do some ultimate beneficial ownership checks. And then we start, uh, we start an application wizard that asks them, hey, what kind of data sources do you have in your day-to-day operations of your business? And we start with a bank account. Uh, to access that bank account, we use what's called a third-party data, data aggregator. And we go out to that aggregator and ask that aggregator to help the customer connect their credentials uh, through the aggregator to their banking institution. So Cabbage is never holding customer account credentials. Um, the aggregators are doing that on our behalf to then package and clean that data and send that underlying transaction, checking account transaction data to Cabbage, where we look at things like the average daily balance or the revenue uh, historicals and project out future revenue. In the case of um, things like payment providers or uh, shipping records or accounting information from sources like QuickBooks, we have either uh, custom relationships, or in some cases, open web development relationships, whereby we can create an agreement and create a disclosure for the customer and ask them to sign into their QuickBooks account, much like you would sign into uh, another service using your Gmail password. And that gives us uh, limited but specific data from those uh, you know, accounting providers, for example, to use in the underwriting process. Now, that, those aggregators of, of information, this is basically one iteration of, of, of open banking, isn't it? Absolutely. Uh, we, we are very, very involved in the open banking conversation uh, in the United States and around the world. At the end of the day, Chris, uh, data and customer-permissioned, customer access to their data is the lifeblood of fintech. And we fully believe that a small business owner operator should be in control of their financial information and be able to permission that information to any reasonably safe and secure fintech or other third-party provider or another bank that they want to encourage a competitive market for payments or lending or even deposits. So what are the, the interest rates like then for your typical small business loan when you're operating um, with uh, n- not just cabbage, but just on, through online lending more, more generally? How, how does it compare to, again, some of the legacy um, small business models? That's a good question. So let's look at the customer base. And small businesses have always been very difficult to underwrite uh, for banks and, frankly, non-banks until the advent of uh, greater persistent data connectivity. And if we talk about why small businesses have been so difficult to underwrite, well, they're very uh, heterogeneous. You don't have one kind of standard profile for a small business. And so when traditional financial institutions have looked at these small businesses, they typically 
typically bucket them as rather homogenous industry level, uh, you know, underwriting um, uh, and risk kind of equations. And they say, okay, well, you're a small business of this size in this industry. Therefore, you're likely to present this level of risk to our institution and your ability to repay uh, will, will look something like this. That individual financial institution never really had the capability or the opportunity or um, necessarily the resources to go deep and analyze holistically what that small business is doing every day and why one baker might be substantially better than another baker in the same town or even on the same street. The marginal cost and fixed cost to go that deep is very difficult for those banks. Cabbage and other online small business lenders and credit underwriting programs have used granular and persistent access to data to not only not only understand how the small business is operating with cash in, cash out, cash at rest, and cash reinvested in the business at a single point in time, but also historically, and as they remain connected to the platform, uh, underwrite that risk in real time to grow with the business. And so let's then look at other segments of customers. I have a couple of different kinds of customers at Cabbage. I have customers that are bankable in the sense that they could go to their traditional financial institution today, and we would be very much in, in competition with them on price. And the reason they're coming to Cabbage is they want to have a better user experience, and they don't want to necessarily wait and measure this credit application in days, weeks, or months. They want to measure it in minutes. Because it conforms more with their business model. I mean, or, or really the, the fact that they're a small business in the first place. Exactly. And then I have other types of customers that would be uh, bankable in the traditional sense on the margin. Um, and we also compete on price there. And then there are small businesses where we underwrite the risk in a much more granular uh, detail and can bring them into the credit funnel. Uh, and they would not otherwise be able to easily or cheaply obtain credit anywhere else, and in many cases might resort to using their consumer credit to fund the business, which is, the, from a public policy perspective, not where we want to go uh, because you risk your ability as the owner-operator to you know, get a mortgage or uh, do other things later in life. Yeah, it introduces personal sort of, uh, I guess, liability and risk and 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 consequences. But so I, I'm really curious about then sort of online lending and then the question of inclusion, right? So it, when you think about small businesses, women are the fastest growing group of entrepreneurs. But at least when you think about legacy sort of lending and and small business lending more generally, they they still really lag behind men. And also, you know, I was reading, you know, recently that, you know, when it comes to minorities and different minority communities, you know, they are a very small segment of sort of the new small business formation, which sort of demographically creates all these challenges when you're trying to look at the aggregate total rate of small business formation. In other words, if you really want to kickstart or, or, or raise the, the, the rate of entrepreneurial activity, then you kind of have to look at all these other, other groups such that they can all contribute so that, you know, the, the, the amount of small business formation in the aggregate in the United States is, is larger. So where and how does, you know, alt data fit for those groups specifically when it comes to small business growth? The use of non-traditional data is inherently protected class blind. That's race, that's sex, that's national origin, 
uh, et cetera. And the reason that is protected class blind is we never actually see the borrower in real life. And that actually is a great thing. Um, and the reason we like that so much is there's zero opportunity for discrimination to happen at an individual level. Now, there's lots of discussion about the use of non-traditional data in machine learning and AI models and how that creates disparate impact, which we can talk about in a second. But from the actual product perspective, um, Cabbage has a portfolio that we're very proud to say tracks with the percentage of small business owners in America. Women-owned firms, and by women-owned, I mean 51% or more, account for slightly over a third of, um, of small businesses in the United States. And we have been able to replicate that in our model, um, pretty much tracking uh, across the national average. Uh, Likewise, for minority borrowers, we are actually overrepresented for African American and Hispanic owned, Hispanic owned businesses in the United States because of our uh, basically blind model and the ability to remove the individual, the owner operator, and their credit history from the equation and focus much more intensely on the cash flow operations and health of the business. Your race, your sex, um, you know, your views on whatever is not indicative of how well you are running your business and what kind of revenue you're creating day to day. You, you know, you had raised this issue of, of disparate impact. And, you know, just over the last uh, a week or so, there were these issues about uh, Apple and, 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 and I think their, their Apple Pay card and whether or not it had a sort of uh, outsized or disparate impact, negatively imp impacting women. I mean, how do you view then data and, and making sure that you get the right data for creating these new kinds of financial products and, and where and how uh, this is, I guess, two questions. Does does open banking fit in the equation? We're truly on a policy frontier with respect to measuring and understanding disparate impact uh, that originates from the use of non-traditional data that is accelerated by this open banking environment and complicated by the use of machine learning and artificial intelligence to interpret that data. So to break this down a little bit, um, there, has, there have been very few quantitative discussions about measuring disparate impact in the financial services world and in the public policy world. Uh, we very happily participated in the FinReg Lab um, empirical study about this, whereby we, we supplied our data to the FinReg Lab, and they measured for uh, the cash flow underwriting and the use of non-traditional variables. They measured for credit lift and searched for any signs of disparate impact or disparate treatment in the model. What they found was that Cabbage has credit lift far and above traditional uh, bureau scores, and that there was no evidence of disparate impact or disparate treatment in the model, along with five other uh, fintech uh, credit providers. That was a very positive first step, but there's so much more that we need to do as a financial service uh, ecosystem to prove that the outcome, the, the, the output for the customer is beneficial. We try to do this every day um, by measuring and testing for disparate impact 
and disparate treatment in the model governance piece, but also in the actual credit lift. So for every dollar deployed, we generate about $3.79 of gross economic impact for the small business and the community. There is one more thing that is in the progress right now with the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, which is implementing Dodd-Frank 1071. Dodd-Frank 1071 begins to focus the attention for small business lending on the output rather than the input of variables used in a credit model, whether it's linear or uses artificial intelligence and deep learning. And that requires small business lenders and other credit providers to actually collect that protected class data on the front end and then be responsible on the back end for tying the protected class information to the line and price assignment to ensure that there is a quality and an account level and a larger systemic model level for that. So, so basically a, a kind of a back check, if one will, right? So you're gathering that, that information on the front end. So when you're, I guess, executing things, uh, the, the actual lending arrangement, you're able to sort of back check it against that data that you're collecting on the front end. Absolutely. And we've never been able to uh, definitively back check that information um, before. And we think this is a great, great kind of public policy progression in moving the debate about AI, about the use of non-traditional data, and of course, extracting a lot of this information from the open banking environment, moving this forward in a way that's measurable, and most importantly, measuring the outcomes and the success of the small business borrowers themselves. Sam, thanks so much. This is very interesting, and uh, it's just a, a really interesting field with, with lots of potential. Thank you very much, Chris. I think there's no quick fix to the drought of entrepreneurial activity in the United States. Let's be clear. Starting a company is in some ways riskier than ever. You have to leave your job, spend your savings, and embark on often untrodden business routes. And failure, especially in a world of automation and outsourcing, could be more painful than ever, even with record low unemployment. But capital, it seems, has to be an issue. Entrepreneurs need it to start their operations, to hire new employees, and to scale up just to remain competitive. And here, fintech might be an answer. But it won't be a silver bullet, and the best policy will likely be that which combines socially beneficial tools, subject the right safeguards, with other policies reaching the heart of the country's startup doldrums. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we'd love to get your feedback. If you'd like to get in touch, just hit me up at Chris Brummer DR. That's at C-H-R-I-S-B-R-U-M-M-E-R-D-R. We'd love to hear from you. Fintech Beat is produced by CQ Roll Call, a leader in nonpartisan political and policy news and analysis for more than 70 years. CQ Roll Call is part of Fiscal Note, a global technology and media company.